This is the Work Minus Podcast, where we talk about what we need to drop from how we work today and transformative ideas to help you build a better workplace. To hear all of our episodes and read articles about how you can improve your workplace, go to workminus.com. Welcome back to Work Minus. Today, our guest is Garrett Leonhardt. He's a futurist and author, and this is Work Minus Routine. Hi, Garrett. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. Excited to hear what you have to say to us today. Why don't you give us a little bit of background about who you are? Yes, I work as a futurist for the last 15 years, and I basically help companies to, to write new rules for what's coming and to take a wider view of the possibilities. And I wrote, uh, my last book is called Technology versus Humanity which talks about the relationship between man and machine. And, and a big part of that is, of course, the future of work and skills and you know what humans are going to do in the future. All right. I like that title. Tell us more about this book, Technology versus Humanity. Yeah. You know, that when I started writing this, I mean, I've, you know, after doing about a thousand speaking gigs in the last few years, you know, this became a major topic. Everybody asked me all the time, you know, so technology is so great and it's going to automate everything and, you know, everything will be different than today. What are we going to do in the future? You know, that's going to change work and culture, society, social security, everything, right? Uh, and then I started writing uh, four years ago on, on this book and, you know, the publisher wanted me to make it more aggressive. So he said it has to be technology versus humanity. But the original title was technology and humanity. You know, that, that's kind of my viewpoint is that it's not really versus. It's much more like, you know, we have to put it, the technology in its place and we have to govern it wisely rather than not use it, which is not really an option. So that's, so the book goes through all these things about, you know, what technology is doing to us. The things that are likely to happen in the next 10, 15 years, you know, exponential change and complete automation of society and all of those things that we're going to see the good and the bad. And then it gives advice as to how to apply what are called digital ethics. And that has become a mainstream theme in the last three years since the book came out. Uh, everybody's talking about AI ethics and digital ethics and, you know, and of course the future of work <laughs> as, a, as a great consequence, uh, some more dystopian than others. But you know, my opinion is mostly positive rather than saying, you know, it's, it's the end of everything. I think it's just the beginning of something new. All right. So as a futurist, I've always wanted to know how far ahead are you comfortable speaking about making predictions or things that will happen? I mean, you said five to seven years or 10 to 15 years. What's the edge of that for you? Yeah, I think my work is not so much about predictions. It's what I call observations uh, and foresights. And it's basically the things that you already see today, you know, expanded into a future. So you can see today, for example, that we're at the beginning of this renewable uh, uh, energy economy. So we're going to, we're going to see the end of oil. Uh, more or less as a main fossil fuel. And that's quite obvious it's going to happen, whether that's 10 or 15 years, but it's not going to be 50 years. And so these observations and foresights is what I do, and that's a time frame, 5, 7, 10, sometimes a little bit further. But 20 years from now, you know, we're going to live in a world that will be so dramatically different that most of the forecasts, if it's not just in one arena, you know, if it's general, then then it would be very, very much science fiction. So what's one thing that you feel disappointed about in terms of where we are at the present compared to where you, maybe you thought we were going to be 10 years ago? What are some areas you feel kind of disappointed in our progress? Well, that's a good question. I think that in many ways I've been uh, too uh, conservative on the, on the slope. You know, for example, uh, and, and then in other cases, that's quite common also to positive. For example, artificial intelligence is a much hyped topic, but it's most of what we see today is intelligent assistance. You know, it's basically just fancy software. 
and it does things like language recognition, but it does not do anything that humans can do. Uh, so that's a little bit disappointing that we haven't reached that point. But at the same time, it's probably a good thing because we really couldn't deal with it if it was actually working. <laughs> and the things that are generally uh, difficult to stomach are things like uh, climate change, global warming. You know, we have not done much about dealing with it. And now it's all about just dealing with the consequences, but not actually changing it very much, you know, the impact of on the environment. And that's still very much the old-fashioned, you know, capitalist uh, thinking of, you know, whatever whatever works for money is the top, top priority. Yeah? And, and that's, that's going to change very, very quickly once we get to see the consequences. Yeah? All right. Well, let's jump into the topic of this episode, work minus routine. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I talk about the end of routine. So basically what's happening is that computers, machines, software, AI, robots, whatever you want to call it, uh, they're going to learn pretty much any routine that does not involve human judgment. I think my colleague uh, Luciano Fruridi, who runs AI Ethics Lab in Oxford, he talks about basically that machines can outperform humans when it's not about anything that humans do, <laughs> like emotions, understanding, uh, you know, na natural language processing on a very high level, semantics, and all these things, you know, that makes us human. That's very hard for machines. Right? So what that means is that anything that becomes sort of donkey work for us, you know, stuff that we just do because we have to, you know, parsing information, distributing files, setting up meetings, uh, checking money flow and checking facts and non-disclosure agreements and what have you, you know, most of that work is kind of automatable, right? Um, and like bookkeeping, accounting, you know, on, on the lowest level, and of course, driving and those kind of things. So machines will learn all of those things, no matter whether it's, it's black uh, and blue color or white color or what's called gold color. <laughs> nice, that's a new one for me. The top level. <laughs> whatever, the, whatever the color is, you know, even scientists will be automated, uh, for example, in doing biology, biological tests and diagnostics and, and what have you, because machines are no longer stupid uh, in the sense of, well, they're still pretty stupid, but stupid in the sense of not knowing the patterns, right? So, But I mean, I think the, you know, the thing about the routine is that basically uh, we can expect that in the next 10 years, you know, we, we have quantum computing, we have the Internet of Things, we have, we have uh, basically extremely powerful machines and, and machine learning, artificial intelligence. So we're going to be able to take those routines and the, the machine will do like 100 billion variations of it, and then it will eventually learn how it works. If it does not involve any creative act, you know, or decision-making or compassion, like a call center, you know, two, uh, 20 million people work in call centers, roughly, around the world, and you know, 19 of those will not have a job under those circumstances because, you know, if it's just about changing my booking and, you know, going into a database and, you know, that's, yeah, you can have compassion, but most of the time it does not, right? So uh, those are jobs that will be replaced. I'd like for you to define human judgment a little bit more because I feel like that term has become a little more gray in the last several years. Well, there's actually quite a bit, you know, so the other flip side of this coin is that uh, many jobs are, are automatable, but they cannot be com uh, completely automated. Like, you know, a driver, a taxi driver or, or a bus driver or so can be automated for some functions, but not for all of them. Like, you know, driving on a highway with a truck for eight hours, you know, you can certainly automate that. Uh, going in, a, in like a daisy chain or a platoon, right? That's no problem. But to get off the highway and to actually make decisions about parking and, and unloading, you know, that's, that's actually very complicated. <laughs> so uh, basically human judgment, understanding, uh, and what's called tacit information, 
that is the information that you have in your mind, as most humans have. I think the saying goes, you know, we we know a lot more than we can tell, which is from I think Moravec. Uh, uh, it's it's a, it's a law of uh, computing, basically. Right? It's like we we know all these things, but it's very hard to tell the computer what they are. Uh, and so that tacit information, like shop floor knowledge, what's called shop floor knowledge, you can transfer some of that in the factory, and then the computer will do something similar, but it will never quite do the same. And so this is also a big chance for us because clearly we're going to be doing what the machines cannot do. And and that's basically where we're going with work. So what do you think it looks like to have this kind of golden age where humans and machines are working well together and they're each doing what they do best? Well, we can see how that already already has happened, for example, in banking. So low-level financial advice, you know, if I'm going to invest $10,000, I want to monitor that, that, I'm going to use a website like I do today, but in the near future, I can use a chat agent, a chatbot, or I can call the computer and I can speak to the computer because finally, the computer is going to understand what I say. That's kind of here now, but that's just two or three years away, and I can have a chat with the computer and I can say, hey, do you think, you know, because of what happened in China, should I move my 10,000 euros? Uh, And the computer will have all the information that no agent could have. But it cannot tell me about whether this company I'm investing in is ethically interesting, or it's doing the right thing, or it's supporting the right cause, or, you know, human judgment, basically. It cannot be creative, for example, saying, okay, I saw a video of this guy, the CEO of this company that I'm investing in, I saw a video of him, and I, you know, I really think he's amazing, and he he tells a great story. I'm going to buy another hundred thousand shares. You know, that's a feeling. That's not a fact. And try to get a computer to have that kind of thing. That would be difficult. Right, right. I want to go into one of the topics you discuss a lot, which is the exponential change that we're facing now. Give us some context to put some framework around how much has changed recently. Yes, it's a typical human problem that we are. It's very hard for us to perceive what Hemingway calls gradually, then suddenly, which is the exponential formula. You know, basically nothing happens when you double 0.01, you get 0.02, and so on. It's still nothing. Uh, and that's what happened, like, you know, in the 90s in the internet business, like the paperless office and cloud computing, and of course, AI. <laughs> and it didn't happen. It just wasn't working. But now we're at four, which means all of a sudden, technological progress in terms of deep learning, machine learning, quantum computing, the Internet of Things, you know, all the things, that, the ingredients is, you know, we can finally cook a good meal, so to speak, with all of the pieces of this of these technologies. And so we're at four, and the next step is eight, 16, 32, which is completely different than 0.01 and 0.02, right? And in 30 steps, you end up at one billion. So imagine now if you doubled uh, exponentially one million, you get two million, and then four, eight, 16, that is really materially different than one million. You know? uh, and, and so we have to get used to this idea of saying, you know, we're not going to change gradually here. Like, look at the music business. You know, we went from buying records and then buying, you know, $2 song per song on iTunes. And all of a sudden, we got 100 million people using Spotify. And that happened all like, you know, an explosion, like all or nothing, basically. Right? Yeah, I think part of the hard part is that we're sitting here in the present and it feels like these things have have always been there, even though it's really only been in the last 10 years that these changes have taken place. And, you know, I think the part of that is is to realize that we we have to face the fact that a lot of jobs are are gone and changing, like record stores, for example, right, in music. 
But now we have thousands of new jobs because of Spotify. People are making playlists, people are making uh, touring lists, they're harvesting the data on Spotify. And last but not least, social media. Right? We have 21 million people or so uh, working in social media that didn't even exist 10 years ago. And nobody would have said, you know what, my job is going to be social media director. And no, nobody would have known. And, and so I'm, I'm not so pessimistic. I just think that we have to get used to the fact that routine and anything that's not really human, you know, exponential progress in technology, quantum computing, you know, the, the power of machines, they will learn how to do these things like tax returns, uh, social security dispensing. Uh, all of those things that, that used to be, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, they're they doable by machine. So, so far as a species, I feel like we've been able to keep up with these changes so far. But like you said, we're still in that one, two, four, eight sequence. At what point in the future do you feel like it's just going to overwhelm us and we're not going to be able to keep up anymore? Yeah, we, we cannot compete with machines and robots and AI in the future. They will be utterly useless. I mean, why would you? I mean, nobody likes routine. We're just doing the routine work because it is part of our other work. And our real work as humans is to make sense and to create meaning and to connect with others and to create experiences. You know, the human part, that's really what we do. You know, trust is not a download. And, and so if the customer is going to trust me, then I would have to take care of that myself. The customer is not going to trust a chip or, or even an app or, or a gadget, you know. There's a relationship there. That's what we do. And so ultimately, that is the challenge for us to make that shift and to also say to the machines, you know, you, you do this, but no further, you know, to, to set limits. Um, and to compete with the machines to say, well, you know, ultimately the doctor knows more than the machine. That's the case today. That won't be the case in, in 10 years. I would say the doctor knows different things than the machine. And uh, I'm not going to compete with the machine on having factual knowledge on melanoma. You know, that is that is just mission impossible because we're talking about information. We're not talking about understanding or wisdom or intuition or any of those things. We're talking about, you know, basically trillions of crude facts. So let's talk to our audience here. We're talking to people who are managers of teams. What are ways that they can look at their own careers and build up the necessary skills to be able to succeed when these big changes take place? Yeah, there's two sides to this. First of all, because you have to understand technology right? <laughs> as, be as best as you can. Uh, and then you have to say, well, you know, uh, what do I really need in this work group, in this team, or in this company? And you, you're going to need what I call in my book, I call this the andro-rhythms, you know, the human things, not the algorithms, but the andro-rhythms. That's a, a key word in my book. Right? The human things. And the andro-rhythms is basically anything that machines don't do. So, Compassion, understanding, imagination, intuition, design, you know, uh, negotiation. Uh, and that's what we do already. So my theory that I put forth in the book is to say, well, you know, it's maybe 50-50 today. So 50% monkey work in the average job and 50%, you know, the human work. And in the future, it's going to be 95% human work. And as a manager, I have to enable my people to become more human, not less. Because you know, the, the more they work like a machine, the more they're going to be replaced. As we've explored the topic of productivity with some other guests, uh, we've kind of recognized that there's a need for people sometimes to do this mundane routine work sometimes, just to clear your mind or do something else that, that enables you to focus on something else subconsciously, perhaps. Do you feel like humans do have a need for this kind of mundane work? And will there be an opportunity to do it in the future? 
Of course. I mean, it's uh, part of how we exist. It's part of a process. And part of the process is doing mundane things or, or being bored, for that matter. That's all part of the process, and we shouldn't cut out all of it. Right? But then the race for efficiency is kind of stupid for humans because humans are not efficient. Yeah, we will never compete on efficiency and optimization and productivity because we're just not. I mean, in fact, we are the most productive when we don't feel like we have to be productive. You know, we uh, and that is, of course, human nature. You know, we need sleep. We need to take a break. Uh, we come up with stories. We get distracted. You know, we 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 lie. We make mistakes. And and if you remove all of those things from the equation, then we become like a machine. Right? Uh, in fact. In many cases, you know, I teach some MBA students in different places, and you know, I realize that you know, for some reason, most of them are sort of already falling into a robot-like routine. You know, best case studies, and you know, this is how you build this better mousetrap to make more money and stuff. You know, none of that stuff is really very valuable because anyone could do that. Right? I mean, anybody can apply a rule, but what about the things that's not a rule? And now we're going to have many, many more things that are constantly being re-questioned and reinvented. You know, I think Picasso once said a long time ago, you know, that computers are really stupid. They only provide answers. And I think it's very true. You know, we, it is the questions that are going to matter, not the answers. Well, let's spend some time talking about the, the core human skills when it comes to managing other people. You talked about empathy and confession. What are some of the other skills you feel like are essential to managing people well as a human? Well, I think that you know, if you're if you're talking to HR people, it's already quite clear that their primary aspect today is that they're going to find people that have emotional intelligence and human factors like the ability to ask questions, uh, critical thinking, uh, questioning stuff, coming up with out of the box ideas. You know, and those are exactly the kind of things that 10, 15 years ago you didn't want your employee to have emotions. You didn't want them to ask questions. You wanted them to say, yes, I'm going to execute and, you know, be productive. And today you have people who are going to sit there and say, you know what, I think this whole idea is just not going to work. It's my feeling that, you know, it's, and, uh, or they come and say, you know what, I found a new way of doing this. It sounds crazy, but we can do it like this. You know? And that is really, that's the creative part that only humans can do, I think, for at least the foreseeable future. Maybe in 50 years, a robot can do that. But for the time being, that's what sets us apart. And, and that's, you know, most managers are asking for those kind of people. So our children should have those human skills primarily before they even uh, look at other skills like process, business, technology. Uh, because it's going to be about creativeness, about understanding others, about uh, finding solutions that nobody else thinks of. And how do you do that? I mean, that's probably not something that you can learn at school. That's something you learn in life, you know? Well, let's explore this further. I mean, you're talking about a, an MBA program. Um, if you could reinvent that to enable people to have the experiences necessary to succeed in a world where robots and, and automation are doing so much, what do you feel like are the, the core skills and experience that would need to be a part of that program? Yeah, I mean, of course, a lot of quite a few of those already exist. I mean, then people are like in Finland, there's lots of this kind of conversation. It is basically, you know, rather than downloading information, and learning what used to work, I would vote for saying, let's create experiences where I am enabled to respond and to invent. Right? So rather than saying, okay, I'm going to make a plan for a startup and how much money I need, I'm going to 
calculate profitability and return and all that stuff, which is probably useful. But but then you get into real life, and the, the entire situation has changed, you know, compared to three months ago. And really, what you need to do now is is to to pivot. Right? I mean, you have to completely switch and and and, and look at what what's right next to you. So it's a more sort of creative part, the artistic part, really. You could say in in the end, right? Basically, the I think this is what it comes down to. That's that's the kind of skills we have to nail and practice. So I would rather say something like, "Let's go out into the into nature, and we're going to spend two weeks working together to create something there, or maybe just a week to survive somewhere, or travel through India on a bus and collaborate not to get sick." <laughs> or whatever the deal is, you know, something that makes makes it sort of more human centric rather than saying, okay, the world is a giant spreadsheet. That's exactly what computers are doing, are turning the world into uh, algorithms, and and that's that's not a bad thing because that's all they know. But that's not the real world. The real world exists in in human relationships. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think it's it's great to be able to see the world as number and to be able to apply those algorithms and encodify things. But if the machines are doing that at some point, then it frees us up to have other experiences too. It is this is kind of uh, directional change where we're going from the idea, you know, we focus on STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, and and you know, business management, and all. You know, that's basically sort of a programming thing. You know, like we're we're downloading this stuff, and then we know it, and then we get to work, right? And the, on the opposite side of this is what I call hecky, not STEM. So humanity, ethics, creativity, imagination. Uh, and that cannot be downloaded uh, in a classroom. That's a process. Yeah? And that's, that's, I mean, if you look at what happened in Silicon Valley, most of those people uh, either quit school or, or went through an education and a half. And, they changed. and of course, 60% are not from the U.S. You know, they're foreigners. So I mean, it's, there's something to be said for humanness, you know, humanity, or you could say uh, humanism, you know, in in how we approach the future. Garrett, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for coming on and sharing your ideas. I really hope the things you're saying uh, come to fruition. It's a good view of the future. Let people know where they can get in touch with you and see more of your work. Yeah, I mean, of course, uh, the book is tech versus human.com. That's tech vs human.com, technology versus humanity. It's easy to find. It's out in 12 languages. And I have a very active YouTube channel. And we have a shortcut is GERTTube, like GERT, like my name, G E R D, GERTTube.com, like nerd with a G, you know. Um, so so GERTTube.com, there's like 800 hours of video there. Uh, and of course, my website, that's feature with GERT.com. So there's loads and loads of stuff that you can spend a, a, a you know fast forward on the weekend well we will put all that on the show notes Garrett thanks so much it's been a great show okay thanks very much and it's been a pleasure this has been the work minus podcast if you like what we're doing go to workminus.com where you can see the show notes and a full transcript for every episode You can also sign up for our newsletter where you'll get the latest progressive ideas about how you can build a better workplace. 